Chapter One of the Seven Who Were Hanged by Leonid Nikolaevich Andreev, translated by Hermann Bernstein. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter One. At one o'clock, Your Excellency. As the minister was a very stout man, inclined to apoplexy, they feared to arouse him in any dangerous excitement and it was with every possible precaution that they informed him that a very serious attempt upon his life had been planned when they saw that he received the news calmly even with a smile they gave him also the details the attempt was to be made on the following day at the time that he was to start out with his official report several men terrorists plans had already been betrayed by a provocateur and who were now under the vigilant surveillance of detectives were to meet at one o'clock in the afternoon in front of his house and armed with bombs and revolvers were to wait till he came out there the terrorists were to be trapped wait muttered the minister perplexed how did they know i was to leave the house at one o'clock in the afternoon with my report when i myself learned of it only the day before yesterday the chief of the guards stretched out his arms with a shrug exactly at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency he said half surprised half commending the work of the police who had managed everything skilfully the minister shook his head a morose smile upon his thick dark lips and still smiling obediently and not desiring to interfere with the plans of the police he hastily made ready and went out to pass the night in some one else's hospitable palace his wife and his two children were also removed from the dangerous house before which the bomb throwers were together upon the following day while the lights were burning in the palace and courteous familiar faces were bowing to him smiling and expressing their concern the dignitary experienced a sensation of pleasant excitement he felt as if he had already received or was soon to receive some great and unexpected reward but the people went away the lights were extinguished and through the mirrors the lace-like and fantastic reflection of the electric lamps on the street quivered across the ceiling and over the walls a stranger in the house with its paintings its statutes and its silence the light itself silent and indefinite awakened painful thoughts in him as to the vanity of bolts and guards and walls and then in the dead of night in the silence and solitude of a strange bedroom a sensation of unbearable fear swept over the dignitary he had some kidney trouble and whenever he grew strongly agitated his face his hands and his feet became swollen now rising like a mountain of bloated flesh above the town springs of the bed he felt with the anguish of a sick man his swollen face which seemed to him to belong to some one else unceasingly he kept thinking of the cruel fate which people were preparing for him he recalled one after another all the recent horrible instances of bombs that had been thrown at men of even greater eminence than himself he recalled how the bombs had torn bodies to pieces had spattered brains over dirty brick walls had knocked teeth from their roots 
and influenced by these meditations it seemed to him that his own stout sickly body outspread on the bed was already experiencing the fiery shock of the explosion he seemed to be able to feel his arms being severed from the shoulders his teeth knocked out his brains scattered into particles his feet growing numb lying quietly their toes upward like those of a dead man he stirred with an effort breathed loudly and coughed in order not to seem to himself to resemble a corpse in any way he encouraged himself with the live noise of the grating springs of the rustling blanket and to assure himself that he was actually alive and not dead he uttered in a bass voice loudly and abruptly in the silence and solitude of the bedroom molozzi 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 good boys he was praising the detectives the police and the soldiers all those who guarded his life and who so opportunely and so cleverly had averted the assassination but even though he stirred even though he praised his protectors even though he forced an unnatural smile in order to express his contempt for the foolish unsuccessful terrorists he nevertheless did not believe in his safety he was not sure that his life would not leave him suddenly at once death which people had devised for him and which was only in their minds in their intention seemed to him to be already standing there in the room it seemed to him that death would remain standing there and would not go away until those people had been captured until the bombs had been taken from them until they had been placed in a strong prison there death was standing in the corner and would not go away it would not go away even as an obedient sentinel stationed on guard by superior's will and order at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency this phrase kept ringing changing its tone continually now it was cheerfully mocking now angry now dull and obstinate it sounded as if a hundred wound-up gramophones had been placed in his room and all of them one after another were shouting with idiotic repetition the words they had been made to shout at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency and suddenly this one o'clock in the afternoon to-morrow which but a short while ago was not in any way different from other hours which was only a quiet movement of the hand along the dial of his gold watch assumed an ominous finality sprang out of the dial began to live separately stretched itself into an enormously huge black pole which cut all life in two it seemed as if no other hours had existed before and no other hours would exist after it as if this hour alone insolent and presumptuous had a right to a certain peculiar existence well what do you want asked the minister angrily muttering between his teeth the gramophone shouted at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency and the black pole smiled and bowed gnashing his teeth the minister rose in his bed to a sitting posture leaning his face on the palms of his hands he positively could not sleep on that dreadful night clasping his face in his swollen perfumed palms he pictured to himself with horrifying clearness how on the following morning 
not knowing anything of the plot against his life he would have risen would have drunk his coffee not knowing anything and then would have put on his coat in the hallway and neither he nor the doorkeeper who would have handed him his fur coat nor the lackey who would have brought him the coffee would have known that it was utterly useless to drink coffee and to put on the coat since a few instants later everything the fur coat and his body and the coffee within it would be destroyed by an explosion would be seized by death the doorkeeper would have opened the glass door he the amiable kind gentle doorkeeper with the blue typical eyes of a soldier and with medals across his breast he himself with his own hands would have opened the terrible door opened it because he knew nothing everybody would have smiled because they did not know anything oh ho he suddenly said aloud and slowly removed his hands from his face peering into the darkness far ahead of him with a fixed strained look he outstretched his hands just as slowly felt the button on the wall and pressed it then he arose and without putting on his slippers walked in his bare feet over the rug in the strange unfamiliar bedroom found the button of another lamp upon the wall and pressed it it became light and pleasant and only the disarranged bed with the blanket which had slipped off to the floor spoke of the horror not altogether past in his night-clothes with his beard dishevelled by his restless movements with his angry eyes the dignitary resembled any other angry old man who suffered with insomnia and shortness of breath it was as if the death which people were preparing for him had made him bare had torn away from him the magnificence and splendour which had surrounded him and it was hard to believe that it was he who had so much power that his body was but an ordinary plain human body that must have perished terribly in the flame and roar of a monstrous explosion without dressing himself and not feeling the cold he sat down in the first armchair he found stroking his dishevelled beard and fixed his eyes in deep calm thoughtfulness upon the unfamiliar plaster figures of the ceiling so that was the trouble that was why he had trembled in fear and had become so agitated that was why death seemed to stand in the corner and would not go away could not go away fools he said emphatically with contempt fools he repeated more loudly and turned his head slightly towards the door that those to whom he was referring might hear it he was referring to those whom he had praised but a moment before but in the excess of their zeal had told him of the plot against his life of course he thought deeply an easy convincing idea arising in his mind now that they have told me i know and feel terrified but if i had not been told i would not have known anything and would have drunk my coffee calmly after that death would have come but then am i so afraid of death here have i been suffering with kidney trouble and i must surely die from it some day and yet i am not afraid because i do not know anything and those fools told me at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency and they thought i would be glad but instead of that death stationed itself in the corner and would not go away it would not go away because it was my thought 
it is not death that is terrible but the knowledge of it it would be utterly impossible to live if a man could know exactly and definitely the day and hour of his death and the fools cautioned me at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency he began to feel light-hearted and cheerful as if someone had told him that he was immortal that he would never die and feeling himself again strong and wise amid the herds of fools who had so stupidly and imprudently broken into the mystery of the future he began to think of the bliss of ignorance and his thoughts were the painful thoughts of an old sick man who had gone through endless experience it was not given to any living being man or beast to know the day and hour of death here he had been ill not long ago and the physicians told him that he must expect the end that he should make his final arrangements but he had not believed them and he remained alive in his youth he had become entangled in an affair and had resolved to end his life he had even loaded the revolver had written his letters and had fixed upon the hour for suicide but before the very end he had suddenly changed his mind it would always be thus at the very last moment something would change an unexpected accident would befall no one could tell when he would die at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency those kind asses had said to him and although they had told him of it only that death might be averted the mere knowledge of its possibility at a certain hour again filled him with horror it was probable that some day he should be assassinated but it would not happen to-morrow it would not happen to-morrow and he could sleep undisturbed as if he were really immortal fools they did not know what a great law they had dislodged what an abyss they had opened when they said in their idiotic kindness at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency no not at one o'clock in the afternoon your excellency but no one knows when no one knows when what nothing answered silence nothing but you did say something nothing nonsense i say to-morrow at one o'clock in the afternoon there was a sudden acute pain in his heart and he understood that he would have neither sleep nor peace nor joy until that accursed black hour standing out of the dial should have passed only the shadow of the knowledge of something which no living being could know stood there in the corner and that was enough to darken the world and envelop him in the impenetrable gloom of horror the once disturbed fear of death diffused through his body penetrated into his bones he no longer feared the murderers of the next day they had vanished they had been forgotten they had mingled with the crowd of hostile faces and incidents which surrounded his life he now feared something sudden and inevitable an apoplectic stroke heart failure some foolish thin little vessel which might suddenly fail to withstand the pressure of the blood and might burst like a tight glove upon swollen fingers his short thick neck seemed terrible to him it became unbearable for him to look upon his short swollen fingers to feel how short they were and how they were filled with the moisture of death and if before when it was dark he had had to stir in order not to resemble a corpse now in the bright cold 
inimical dreadful light he was so filled with horror that he could not move in order to get a cigarette or to ring for some one his nerves were giving way each one of them seemed as if it were a bent wire at the top of which there was a small head with mad white open frightened eyes and a convulsively gaping speechless mouth he could not draw his breath suddenly in the darkness amidst the dust and cobwebs somewhere upon the ceiling an electric bell came to life the small metallic tongue agitatedly in terror kept striking the edge of the ringing cap became silent and again quivered in an unceasing frightened din his excellency was ringing his bell in his own room people began to run here and there in the shadows upon the walls lamps flared up there were not enough of them to give light but there were enough to cast shadows the shadows appeared everywhere they rose in the corners they stretched across the ceiling tremulously clinging to each and every elevation they covered the walls and it was hard to understand where all these innumerable deformed silent shadows voiceless souls of voiceless objects had been before a deep trembling voice said something loudly then the doctor was hastily summoned by telephone the dignitary was collapsing the wife of his excellency was also called End of chapter one